Welcome to the Artistic Finance Podcast, where we break down the wall between art and money. If you're here looking for how to be an artist and financially sustain a career, you're in the right place. Keep listening and join us as we learn about artists and how they make money work for them. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ethan Steimel, here for episode 13. Thank you for listening, and a special thank you to anyone listening from Brazil. This episode is the first in our Connecting Culture series. These are episodes where we interview someone from a different culture and in their own language. This episode is in English. The second episode is in Portuguese. I've enlisted Ronnie Dutro to guest host both interviews. Ronnie is a Brazilian director and dancer living in New York City. We worked together on Out of Water, a Brazilian pocket musical, at the Tada Youth Theater in 2019. When live theater returns, we plan to work on more productions together. Before I hand it over to Ronnie, I have a favor to ask. Please find Artistic Finance on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. It doesn't seem like much, but it helps us find new listeners. Today's guest is Claudio Botello, a Brazilian producer, actor, singer, and translator. He is called Brazil's musical theater wizard, and alongside his artistic partner, Charles Miller, he has produced numerous big musicals in Brazil for more than 20 years. He has directed more than 40 shows, including Company, Spring Awakening, and Pippin. He has designed scenery and costumes for more than 30 shows and has won many awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award as a composer. This interview focuses less on personal finance and more on the mental and spiritual outlook of a producer as an artist. Claudio lives fully in the flow of creativity and passion while accepting financial risk and the challenge of raising money. One last note. We recorded this on May 18th, 2020, during the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown and before the Black Lives Matter protests had expanded worldwide. Without further ado, let's get to our interview. I think it's worth for us to share a little bit of who Claudio Botelho is as an artist, as an entertainer. How did you come to be one of the greatest producers in Brazil, musical theater and theater and just art in general, if you can give us a little two minutes elevator pitch of who are you? <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate that that you're very you're very generous and kind about about using these words to to talk about me. Uh, basically, I am I'm a guy from Minas Gerais, who is a very very country state in in Brazil. Uh, I lived in a very small city until my thirteen. 13 years old. So I came to Rio with my family and of course I went to school and at some point in school uh, I had to have an option for uh, uh, an extra uh, class uh, which was not in the curriculum, uh, a regular, I don't know how to say that in English anyway, but uh, they, uh, they had something there which was called theater. I had never heard about that thing in my life. So I went to do this thing that they, they called theater, theater or so I was there, so I was very, very touched by that thing that I never knew what it, what it was. So I started seeing theater and, uh, and watching a place in Rio, which was absolutely new for me, because uh, in Minas, in my country state, I, we didn't have that. So I had the lucky to see professional uh, theater. Uh, it was, as a matter of fact, it was a moment where the military government was getting over. So the first play I really saw was a very strong play 
by a very um, guy who was uh, pursued by the military government, uh, Odovaldo Viana Filho. So I had the luck to see that play on uh, Arena Theater. So at, at the second row, so uh, I remember seeing those actors, uh, very, very strong actors. Uh, first name was Sergio Brito, who's a very, very important actor. So I was there and I stayed about three days uh, without sleeping because that was so strong. It had ne nothing to do with musical theater, but it, that was theater. So uh, that, uh, that was very strong. So after that, uh, I stayed uh, doing theater and I, I wanted to do something about that. And one day some guy, a uh, professor, uh, he, he gave me a long play of, a, of something called Oliver. <laughs> and he said, this is a musical. It was the, the original song track from the movie. And I never knew what was a musical. I really didn't, never knew that. So I, I had it on my, on, on my uh, long play, long play uh, player, uh, pickup player, whatever. Then they call that in English. So immediately uh, it got me. So I remember that I never gave him back that long play. It was my only one. So I listened to that musical for about... 100 times, 200 times, uh, uh, 200 times, until it was torn. So I got inoculated. I think that was, a, that is a kind of, that's what I say some, somehow, it, it's a kind of virus. So I was really, uh, I got that, that uh, fever and I never went away. So it became part of my life. So. And I'm lucky, though, today I live from that, so I made a life and a career and, and things like that. But it started as a love, as a possession. <laughs> that, that's so great. I think, I think as artists, we're, we, we all can say that we feel infected by it one, one moment or another, or maybe our entire life, we're just, uh, uh, we just live completely infected nonstop. And, and it, is a, it is a great story. It is a great story. I love, I love that Oliver was your big... Big first, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love, I love that you had. Did you have like one of those big uh, vinyl discs? That's the one I'm talking about. Huh? It's the movie which got. Uh, I never knew that was a that it was a, a stage show. It was a, a, a an English show. So I only understood. I had that one uh, with Ron Moody and Mark Lester, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. But, but I didn't even have, have seen the movie, so I only listened to the songs. But I, I, it was so strong that after, when I saw the movie, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get out of myself, I, I couldn't get inside myself. I mean, uh, it was so strong. Oh my God, these songs belong to that thing, that story, and, and this is what is going on. So it was so new. So. But it means, what I think is, uh, you, you can be... Uh, you can have the disease uh, when you got the virus, or you can never have. And I know a lot of people that really don't don't like that. Uh, people that don't don't get touched by musicals uh, at, at all. So can, they can see it uh, now and then, but uh, some of them hate it. But when you got touched by it. It's like football or it's like something that you can't go away from. So. And that's okay. I, I mean, I, it's, it's diversity makes us who we are. And if everyone likes the exact same thing, that would be boring as shit. Oops, I don't know if I can say shit live, but here we are. You told me that one of your very first 
experiences with theater was watching this live play on the second row. So as an audience member, what, what would you say you, you prefer, you like the most as it com when it comes to live art, live events? Oh my God, that's a great question, you know? Because that's the most beautiful thing that I have, that uh, to be an audience and to choose a show to see. And to me, especially when I, when I go to see musicals, and, uh, which means when I travel, I love the revivals because I am very much an old uh, soul. I, am, I love the... Uh, if you're talking about musicals, I like to see great actors and great songs. That's something that touches me. And I can see... Uh, when I see... Uh, I'm going to give an example. For example, I went to see Bur uh, uh, Beth Midler doing, doing uh, Hello, Dolly! recently. So that thing uh, made me go back three times and pay like about $1,000 for each time I went. Because that kind of thing turns my life. Uh, it gets me out of myself. So that's the kind of show I like. Someone who can be God. That's a God for me. That's God. Uh, Bad Midler. Jerry, Jerry Herman. He's a God too. So that situation makes me... Oh, that's what I want in theater. So I, I, think, I think we can both agree that live theater especially musical with, with quality actors and actresses and material, that's really what moves you, right? Like you just told about Matt Miller yeah. and Hello Dolly, you went three times. I had the opportunity to watch it live myself, so I completely understand what you're saying. It was an out-of-body experience for me, so I, I, I can't say I've been bitten by the bug many times, and that was one of them for sure. And I say that especially as an as a audience member, uh, that's something that I... I used to get excited recently, uh, like about two, two months, two years ago, three years ago. Charles Aznavour used to come to Rio de Janeiro, for example, and to play even the last time. He was very, very much old. And to see him, uh, a live experience, that turned me on. So that's the kind of experience that I like to see great, like gods on stage. That makes me very, very human. I love to see the gods. <laughs> I love I love your 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 use of of the word of the expression turn on. It really turns you on. It's it's funny. I I, I feel I, I, I can relate and I know a lot of a lot of friends who are in this that also relate with that. It's a turn on, it turns a fire inside of us. It's it's wonderful. Where do you draw inspiration from? You just shared this amazing story about Beth Midler and Hello Dolly with you that you went three times and how much it turned you on. Where, where would you draw your inspiration from? At, at this point of life, it gets harder to be inspired by something because you don't search for it. It suddenly appears. It suddenly happens. It can happen when you, for example, when you get touched by a Stephen Sondheim song. When I got, uh, when I got When the first time I heard a Stephen Sondheim music was uh, somebody gave me the long play of Company. So that thing was so inspirational. I, I got so touched by that. It was many years about after the Oliver thing that I told you. I was not a child anymore. I was already someone doing theater, musical theater. I already had Gershwin uh, in, my, in my blood. I already had Cole Porter. I already had... Uh, songs and, and things. I was trying to start a career uh, and I was doing things, but 
when I heard company for the first time, I, I said, I, I didn't say anything. I, that was so, uh, I can't say, I had to do it. <laughs> Don't ask me why. And it was, it's an absurd to be Brazilian on, uh, on 1999 uh, and to have done two very regular small-scale shows and to, to go back to my, to my partner, I mean, uh, to the guy who, that I work with, with Charles, is, uh, uh, Charles Miller, and uh, say, well, we have to do company. So, and we did it. And so uh, that's, that became out after that long play. Uh, it's just because I had it uh, and I heard it and it became like an it's like faith you know it's like a religion I don't know I, I, I hope I'm not being uh, unrespectful about religions but it's, it's, it's a kind of my religion because that touches me so much that I want to take that word I want that somebody else can be can be touched like I am so uh, so it, that it happens so I think it's inspirational I, I love that. I love, I love how you cross the idea of doing art as a spiritual realization for you. I, lo I love the... I, I know you for a couple of years now, and every time we, we had the opportunity to work together, there's always this very bright will for you to share all that. And, and I love how you're crisscrossing that with the the spiritual uh, experience of the thing because it's it's it, it is very it, it is very internal it is very personal and everyone everyone will deal with that differently and, and the idea of spreading not spreading the word spreading the love right sharing the gift like a friend of mine would say oh i i i, I thank you so uh in this case for being for talking and, and we know each other for some time but this is the first time that i think about that and of course i've, I've been uh, talking to people Uh, about these kind of things, like uh, starting or whatever. But this is the first time that I understand and I feel like that. And I, I, it's something new for me. And I, I'm very sure it is, uh, you know, it comes like a, it's like a religion. It's like passing the word. So it's like, let me go back to our friend in, uh, in common, who is so much, uh, turns, uh, turns everybody on, which is uh, Stephen Schwartz, another Stephen. So it's another faith person. So, so it's like gospel, you know? Uh, it's like to have to, to follow a gospel. Uh, so I believe in that. So I want people to believe so. That's inspirational. I love that you mentioned company, though. It was 1999, and you had only done like two smaller productions. And we know where you came from because you introduced yourself coming from Minas Gerais at a very early age and you had the opportunity to do something called theater in Rio. And then a couple of years later, you found yourself with this urge of putting up this entire production of a crazy show that took place in New York. And, and, and how was that experience for you as far as Be becoming the professional that you are now. How, how how big of a part did that play into making you a successful businessman in the industry? Because at the end of the day, we all have to be good businessmen 
to be able to manage our own victories and losses, right? So you, you had a, a great partner, Charles, you still have a great partner, Charles Miller, and he was there with you from the beginning. How did you guys manage that, that, that first production? Sometime uh, by the birthday of uh, the 90th birthday of Stephen Sondheim, uh, I had to, I was trying to do some kind of uh, collection of things that we did by him here. And we are the only people that made uh, Sondheim shows in Brazil, as far as I know. So we did Company, uh, we did uh, Side by Side by Sondheim, we did Gypsy, and we are now uh, working on uh, uh, West Side Story. And so I got in touch uh, with the material that I didn't know that exists, which is a tape from the original Company, uh, our, our production. And I, I was Bobby on that production. So... I didn't know that thing existed. Uh, so the guy, the producer, sent me, because I was just collecting things to, to put something together. And when I saw it, I, I said to myself, oh my God, it, this, is, this is life, because we could have chosen something else, or we could have been, uh, we could have uh, made another path of our life. We could have turned a different corner, but we turned that corner. So this completely changed our life. It's, we started with something that is so unlikely to start. But why did we start with company? Because we were so in love with that thing. It turned us, I mean, as, a, as producers and directors, it turned us so much on. So we, 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 we were not clever enough to know that we couldn't. So that's why we did, because we couldn't do company in 2000 in Brazil, because we didn't know how to put the microphones. It took three weeks to make the sound of the show, because no one knew how to do sound in Brazil. You know what? We had, the, we were, we had a pit in the Teatro, Teatro Villa Lobos in Rio, which had a pit for orchestra. The pit had, had never been used. No musician had ever been there when we did company. So we went there with, with, uh, with company. So what, why didn't we choose something different? Why were, were we doing, why, let's say, the Music Man, for example, which would be already something astonishing. But we did that and suddenly it worked. And a lot of people that was in that cast with me were starting and now they are stars. Here and there are the main people in the musical theater in Brazil, like Totia Meirelles, like Daniel Boaventura, like Claudia Neto, like Sabrina Coguti. They were, uh, they were. It, that was their first show. So at some point, I say, why did Charles and I choose that? Uh, that's life, because if we had done a different, a very tiny different uh, choice, we wouldn't be who we are. Not in terms of we are not great, or I'm not saying that, but you know, we are who we are because, because we had that, we had that germ, we had to do that, and it worked. And out of the blue, one, one month later after the, the opening, it happened that it worked well, and, uh, and the book author, uh, uh, which is, uh, what's his name? He's, uh, Uh, it's the book writer of a company. Uh, George Firth? George Firth, yeah. He came for the opening. After the opening, I mean, he was to check the, the... You know, for them, it was awkward. I mean, uh, for MTI and for them, for... The, we had uh, George and we had 
my dear friend who is not with us anymore, who he became my dear friend, it was Richard Salfas from MTI, and they were there on the, at, the, at the opening. And after the show, I remember that George, uh, who immediately became a great friend after that, uh, he got the phone and he called Stephen Sondheim, and he said, you have to get in a plane and come here. So when I heard that, <laughs> yeah, when I heard him saying that, I said, oh, my God, this is not happening. <laughs> uh, that, that man was so generous. I mean, he could have had a different eye on that. But I, I, knew, I knew we had a good production, okay? So I knew that. But I, uh, that was being generous from him because he was seeing that we are, that we were, we are a people that were not... We were doing something very much different, and we did it with so much heart. And he was with us, and he said to Sondheim, he had to come, because he knew it, 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 is, it is Sondheim, right? Uh, the, the soul of all, all of these things. And what happened? One month later, <laughs> I was here during a, a Friday, during the afternoon, and so my ring phone, uh, my, my phone rings, and, and oh, uh, this is, this is Salfas. Oh, oh, how are things? Yeah, I'm going to tell you that uh, Stephen is in town, and he's going to see the show tonight. I said, what? Uh, yes, he's in town, and he didn't want you to know, but I'm telling you that you have to, to leave two seats, because he's with Cameron McIntosh, and he's going to see the show. Uh, uh, yeah, my life is so funny. Uh, <laughs> I already, I, <laughs> I already knew Cameron because I was translating at that point Les Miserables, but it was so much, so many things at the same time. But you know that uh, Stephen Sondheim was here in Copacabana Palace and he, wanted, he would see the show at the night and he didn't want it to be known by the press. That was the only thing that uh, Richard asked me. Uh, I don't know how I survived from that time until the time of the show. And I did something wrong. So I told one guy on the press that he's a Sondheim maniac. And he went there to see two rows behind Sondheim to see his reaction. <laughs> and that night was uh, one, of the, one of those nights, you know? A night like when we saw Bibi Ferreira... And when the time, those nights was it, when he came to the backstage and when we kind of became uh, friends and he, he was a so generous person with Charles and myself. And after that, uh, he approved the show and Cameron was so much uh, generous and, and, uh, and uh, very tender with us too, you know, because they were... Uh, they said, you have to do this, the, 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 the recording. Uh, and so we did. So the original Brazilian cast. And we released it. And Stephen Sondheim uh, wrote to us and said, well, um, yeah, I'm not going to be in details. But it was so generous that he said, I want 20 copies because I want to give this as a uh, Christmas present to my friends. So what can I expect more from my life? After that, so being here, so I, I could have stopped there, right? But I'm here. <laughs> and if I may interfere as a, as a proud Brazilian 
who has been living in New York for over, almost 10 years and come from a, a, a theater background in Brazil as well, I've had the opportunity to hear the material that you sent me from company. And I absolutely take my head off for you because just the translations, the adaptations, it's, it's truly masterful. And I, I, it's not surprising that Steven Sondheim loved it so much. And with great success, and great uh, financial return from, from the profession comes great responsibility, right? Are you good with money? Are you good at, at finances? How, how would you describe yourself? What I say is, uh, just to be very accurate, this is not, this is already about 15 years after I was in the career because I, I worked as a, as a piano player in many productions and small productions and I worked for other people and many things, uh, which is, uh, I mean, to get to company, company is a, is a, is a choice that turned us, uh, but we didn't do it because it, we, we wanted it to become something, a turn point, a turning point in our careers. It happened that it became, not as much as, uh, uh, I mean, in terms of uh, refunds or, or, or return, or, or financial return, but anyway, uh, uh, answering to your question, you know, I think that I'm very irresponsible, and people that work with me, they are always, uh, they want to shut me down and say, don't do that, don't do that, don't get, especially in uh, making choices like, for example, Sometimes uh, after I, I'm in the market, I've been uh, I've been producing. I have to get rights for for doing shows. I mean to go to the to especially to MTI and Times with Mark and and people uh, and uh, Rogers and Hammerstein uh, companies. Which thank God I'm very I'm very good with them uh, after working so many times. So. Uh, Going to them and get the, the initial rate, um, the initial money to to get the rights to do the shows. Sometimes I do that, uh, and it's not cheap, okay. And and I say, uh, but I want to do it. Uh, and people from my company, that the, the responsible people, that pe people that are really, really. <laughs> And uh, they say, no, don't do that. You don't know if it's gonna, you're going to have the sponsor for that. But for some reason, I've been lucky. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, okay? Uh, for, for example, now, I, had, I have the rights for uh, uh, Young Frankenstein for about two years already. It's something that I want to do. It, I was about to do it, so we became... I paid a lot of uh, money, especially now with the dollar rate. I paid substantial money to to have the rights to do that plan and to make it work. So it was about to, to happen when we had this coronavirus virus uh, situation. So, But I know I'm going to do it. So at, at that point, when I got it, when I paid for that, so I had a lot of pressure from my from my people to say, don't do that. You don't, you're not sure you can. Uh, but I always do. That's how I did uh, with The Sound of Music, the, which became, I'm lucky. You know, I'm very irresponsible, but I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I'm not rich, especially now. I mean, I am far from being rich, and I'm, I know I'm never going to be. Uh, and I'm, you know, you gain here, and then you lose in the next one, and then you gain in the, the other one. 
but uh, that's life and so I'm not starving and, and I'm not still on the streets and, and uh, that's how things work I'm very irresponsible and sharp I mean being very very humble and so you say you're irresponsible so would you say like did you grow up with some sort of good example then Or, or do you, around you, do you have any good example that actually justifies you saying that you're responsible? Yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm from a very um, humble family. I, uh, my parents are, 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 my mother was a, a teacher and my father was a public uh, uh, worker, a uh, funcionario publico, and uh, a very uh, low middle class, uh, what can I say, that? I, I don't know, classe media baixa, Uh, but with very solid uh, cultural, uh, cultural uh, uh, suggestions that they read a lot and things like that. So if I don't know why the fuck did I get into a position to take decisions about money? Because if I was serious, I would never do something more than get my lunch and get my dinner. Because I, I, I'm not in a position of doing those things. And even Charles. Charles comes from a very humble family, too. And the decisions are on me. Uh, so why am I here? Uh, uh, why, why, why life took me to a position to, to make decisions in about buying things and paying people? And I don't know. You know, this is something that I don't know why I'm here uh, in terms of... of uh, I don't know what's the model. My, if, if I had a model, I, w I, I didn't follow. That's it. Because the people I worked with the, who, who are uh, producers, the thing is I'm an artist and a producer. And this is in Brazil. Uh, it's very common. It's very different from the New York uh, market. Because you guys there, you have the producers and you have the artists. Here... Uh, In musical, we are the only uh, players that are the, the directors and, uh, and the artistic team, and we are the producers. We are the only one. The other people that we work with sometimes, they are only producers. So, so it's, it's an it's a awkward position because I want to do it, but at the same point, I, should, I know I shouldn't for some reason, for money terms, um, I don't know how to answer to you. <laughs> It happens. You know, I'm not, I, I've never been arrested. So, Have you ever been in a situation that really affected like your financial stability or that got you really worried about it? That you go like, oh my God, I got to rethink everything. Every day. <laughs> every day, every day. If you, I'm, very, I'm, I'm being very honest. Every day, every month. Uh, this, this sounds like a song, right? To every happiness, there's a, there's a down day after in these terms. Uh, I mean, I think, it's, I think this is life, right? But at the time that I get happy as an artist, and when I get the artist Claudio happy with the results from the audience and from the, the reviews, And the Claudio uh, producer happy with the, with the box office. When they are both happy together one night, that's amazing. But, uh, but it happens that uh, we have, uh, it goes down, so it goes down. 
but I know being old and uh, being uh, uh, not I'm not saying old but growing old means we get accustomed to these things so I don't get desperate as I used to be many times I got desperate to, to say that oh my god how, how am I going to go out of this now because we did this show or we didn't get anything and we are in debt I know that it's going to I'm used to it. It's going to pass. It's going, it's going to go away and something good is, going, is coming. So You say something happened and you go like, oh my God, how am I going to get out of this? How did you actually get out of this? Like, what, what happened that actually took you out of it and made it pass by? You know what? I'm a Brazilian. <laughs> you know what that means? We know how to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> we, had a, we have a very important Brazilian uh, show which is a kind of a musical, is a, is a play with songs. And also it was in, uh, initiated by Bibi Ferreira. The name in Portuguese is Brasileiro Profissão Esperança. Uh, we could say Brazilian profession, profession Hope. That's who we are. I mean, uh, in the theater now, uh, it's not only me, but all the people that I, I, I love, that I worked with, We did our time and our careers like that, like uh, betting everything, everything we had in something and losing and staying and going away and getting something from the next show. And I, I know a lot of people uh, that are big in my, my career, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Fernanda Montenegro and uh, uh, Marco Nanini and I'm talking about... Uh, Oh, I have a view mind producers because we are producers. We are we we are the players. We are on stage, but we produce. But it's very common that you you say in Brazil, I had to sell my apartment to do the show. This is very common. So some people uh, laugh when I when I hear people saying, "Oh, that show, I lost my apartment in it." So this is this is. This is very common. So now I am uh, 55 years old and I understand how it works. And I understand when people said that to me, for example, like people that I work with, like, uh, uh, like um, uh, Nisette Bruno, for example, who's a great actress and worked with us in Pippin. And she had, a, uh, pr she had a, a, a production team with her husband. And she used to say a lot, oh, we, we had to sell our apartment in that show because they wanted to do a play. So uh, if the play didn't pay, they sold the apartment. <laughs> and, and they did another play. That's how it works in Brazil. Uh, I don't know if you, you are aware of that because you are, you're far from here for some time. But when you got in the thing... And you are like uh, an artist, uh, I mean, basically an artist, and you decide to do what you want. And you, this is part of the, of, of, the, of the business. It's not with producers, like, you know, like the people who produce for, who make replicas and these big shows. It's not, it's not their money, you know. They're not going to say, say, sell their apartments, with, which are, they're very, they're very clever. But we... We have two. Sometimes I, oh, I, I remember listening, uh, hearing uh, Marco Nanini, you know him, and Marilia Ferra saying that they had, uh, they, we didn't have the money to, to produce, uh, to finish the production, to make the final uh, things to open 
uh, Irmavab. So we had to sell our cars. So that was, that's what they did. And they got millions after that. And sometimes you don't, you don't get the millions, so you, have, you don't have any car to sell. I don't know what's going to happen next month. My God, nah, I don't want to make this a tragedy, but it's, this is how it is. It's, it's how it is, and I think we're all living right now in a very uncertain moment in the world, for Christ's sake. When they told me Broadway was going to close, I'm like, are you kidding? I was actually with, with Ethan having a meeting when we both pick up our phones and we're like, oh boy, they're going to close Broadway tomorrow. This is crazy. And, and now two months later, here we are, right? And, 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 and we, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen, especially. It's wonderful to hear the differences between the, the New York and, and, and Brazil because every country has its own specificity as far as it comes to producing, creating art and producing theater. And, and it's great hearing from someone such as yourself from Brazil, right? We all want to do what we love. And sometimes that means let's go and sell the car to do it. So fucking do it. You know what I mean? Make it happen. You want it to happen, so make it happen. This is great. When you do have some uh, some feedback, some positive outcome out of your out of your shows, what do you do with the money that it's not theater related what do you do for yourself how do you award yourself do you take a trip do you go to a great restaurant you like you buy something for the house what, what is your way of treating yourself claudio um you know what i am uh, of course you don't know what because i didn't say <laughs> okay i now you <laughs> you will know i'm gonna say it the thing is i my my life is a little bit uh mediocre because i don't get fun out of theater. I don't have any fun, uh, for example, in travel. I don't like to travel because I like to travel to go to the theater. So if you tell me, let's go to Paris, I don't like, I don't go. Uh, if I can choose, I, of course, I'm not, I'm, I'm not stupid to say, oh, I don't like Paris. If I have to choose, I go to New York and London every time. I'm not creative about that. I don't go, want to go to Egypt and to see the pyramids. I don't want to go to Machu Picchu. I really don't, because those, those things don't turn me on. I think I'm so restricted that I want to travel, to go to, of course, to go to dinner and to, to see friends and have good music, but I want to go to the theater at night. So where can I do that? In London, in New York, because, uh, so that's, that's, That's really what turns me on. I don't find fun in other things. And I find fun in, in the industry. And, oh my God, if I, I, if I can see Kevin Klein at night in a show, what else would I, I want to do in seeing pyramids in Egypt? Because I don't, I, I prefer to see the car. I love it. It really ties up to what you said in the beginning of our interview today, how you just, get, you just got bit by the bug. And the bug is still with you. You still got the virus. It's it's wonderful. It's wonderful that even in your personal life, that's what you go for. It's 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 great to see that even after all those years of a wonderful career you've had and you and you've done so much for Brazilian culture, that that's still what moves you. That that as a Brazilian myself, that makes me very happy. That makes that gives me something to look forward to in the future as well of my career, whatever that future might mean, God knows. But, but I, love, I love hearing that, and I'm sure a lot of people relate with that as well. You know, I, I was thinking uh, that 
as I as I spoke to you, this has been very very enlightening for me too because I'm thinking about things. Uh, I was going to ask you: Is this absurd? I mean, how I uh, how am I restricted in my in my happiness in in my you know in my uh, search for fun? But I remember that the people I worked with in theater, the, our only subject is theater. We go to dinner to talk about theater. We go to see something to badmouth the other people uh, of theater, you know, and to say good things and to say bad things because that's the only subject. Because I, what I don't, uh, what I want to do, the maximum outside my 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 work is to see uh, series, <laughs> you know, TV series. That's what I like. So, uh, so I don't want much more than that. Don't tell me that it's going to be. Uh, Okay, a festival of rock and roll or whatever, because I don't want to go. But you say there's going to be uh, one week of uh, uh, Patti LuPone singing anything that you want, and I'm going to go there. So I want to do the same thing so all the time. I love it. I, I love it. Um, so, Claudio, I would love for you now, being so so into the Brazilian culture, the, the theater, and, and just arts in general. You write, you compose, you produce, you direct, you act, you sing, you translate, you create versions you you do everything it's it's absolutely it's absolutely incredible how much you've done for the brazilian culture i believe it was 49 49 full-on productions this is absolutely mind-blowing <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about it why 49 how come one after the other was there like a pressure from from the media for you guys to do more and better were, did you guys have like support from everyone else in industry or there were some conflicts how was it how is the industry in brazil in brazil we well, in the regular theater not in musical theater especially but in regular theater like plays uh we artists are our own produce, producers i worked i started with working with people that used to, they didn't have a producer. Uh, the great Brazilian uh, actors and the stars, they produce their shows. I'm talking about Antonio Fagundes, my, uh, uh, Fernanda Montenegro, uh, Eva Vilma, I'm talking about uh, Nisete Bruno, Paulo Goulart, I'm talking about Raul Cortez. These are the big names of Brazilian theater, not musicals, I mean. Uh, and they had, they had companies and their companies, and they, uh, that's whom I learned from the, uh, the profession. So it's, uh, they had to do it. Uh, I mean, they want to do a play. Uh, let's say, for example, uh, Sábado, Domingo, Segunda, by Eduardo de Filipe. I don't know, how, uh, maybe it's, it's uh, Saturday, Mon Sunday, Monday. I don't know. It's a very famous comedy. Maybe maybe that's the the, the the title. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they want to uh, uh, Paulo Goulart and Nisete Bruno. They are uh, husband and wife. He's he's passed away now, but they were a family of, of players, and we are very close to them. They wanted to do this show. What what that what that what does it mean? They don't go to a producer. They are the producers. So they put the show on, and they they make the accounts and. Uh, They get the rights. Sometimes they they sell an apartment because uh, they do. They they sell their own apartment where they live because they don't want to do the show. So they have to have money. So they do that, and then uh, suddenly, if it works, okay, 
if it doesn't work, so what is going to happen? So we have to do another one. Uh, but going back to what you asked, what you asked about how, so how many shows, what we did is, uh, Charles and myself, uh, is uh, we were doing something that was working. We love very much what we do. We, uh, we are very restrict with friends. We don't have many friends of a... Uh, we have many friends, but we are uh, a kind of people that we go out with the same people, like three or four people every night, and we only talk about one thing, the things that we do during the day, which is theater. So we are still, it seems like, for us, uh, I'm being very much about ourselves now, we are so like kids playing with the same toy until now that, oh my God, what, we're, we're, going, we're now doing West Side Story. It's going to be our next opening. Oh my God, we are doing West Side Story. So we did Gypsy. So uh, when we did, uh, before we did Gypsy, what, what we had? We wanted to do Gypsy. So we did hair. Why? Because we wanted to do hair. So we did one thing. We did so much because we wanted to do things. And... We didn't have anything else to do, I mean, in life. Why would we? So we were, and of course, we attracted uh, sponsors with this and people from the market. So it's not that they took advantage of us. They didn't. Uh, we took advantage of ourselves, for one, both, uh, one from each other. Uh, uh, we, we were there. We wanted to do. So why not? So we, after we finished company, We did uh, this Brazilian show, which was Opera do Malandro, which is a very famous show here. So it worked so much. It ran for three years. So after that, we did... What, what did we do? We did... Uh, we wanted to do... Uh, we, had, we started... We say, oh, we love Kendra Nab. So let's try and do uh, a review by Kendra Nab, which is uh, the world goes round. So we did it. So after that, we did what we did... Uh, Well, we wanted to do Fiddle on the Roof. We do, we, we do Dream and we, we go and do it when it's possible. But we are talking about a moment where there was not, uh, it was not uh, like uh, a pot of gold, you know? Uh, when we started, it was not, it was not a pot of gold. Uh, we were just like oh, those crazy guys that do musicals because, uh, but after it became something that's, showed like, like, shined like, this is, a, we get money from that. A lot of people who are not, even from theater or even from musicals, or people that have never heard a song, they never heard the opening of Gypsy, for example, they came to the, to the market. Because everybody does musicals after they know it can bring you money. So this is this still happening. So we had a lot of people doing uh, things by doing. And these things worked. It, hurt, it hurts, you know? When I see something like, uh, which is a fashion here, like uh, it's a kind of fashion to have a show based on a life of someone, which is a biographical musical. That's what, that's what they say. We had about 30 of this thing, because it's very easy, you know? Someone is famous, like Cazuza or like... Uh, Uh, Team Maya, for example, you don't have to do anything. You just say, uh, well, Kazuza went to school and then you sing his song. And Kazuza went to that. So it sells like for three years. That, so if it worked with this, I'm not 
bad mouth in this show, but I am. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, it means, uh, I, I didn't see the show, but I mean, if it works with that, why not do this with all this? So with, they did it with Italy, and they did it with uh, Chimai, and they did it with, uh, they did it with everybody. So, but it's the same formula ever. It's not a, ju a jukebox box musical, only that, you know, because uh, that can work, and I like that. I'm just saying that uh, people from outside the market came into it, and they said, well, it's easy. We have to put something and have some songs, because people are going to sing together and sing along. That's fine. That. That makes me angry, you know? It really shows how, how how both cultures are alike or not. I think United States also has a lot of what we call the autobiographical shows, right? We had we had Beautiful, the Carol King musical on Broadway, you had the Cher musical, we had Summer, which is the Donna Summer musical, and so on. There are so many. We have Tina that started in the West End and now it's on Broadway. So there are so many. And, and like you said, some people think they know what the formula is and they end up just going for it because, as you said, it brings money. And if it brings money, I'm in it, right? So, which, which, yeah. comes, which comes back to, our, to the beginning of our interview where they're like, what do you do with that money is actually going to define you as an artist or not? Like, I think a lot of artists are reckless with it. And you said yourself, you're not very responsible with yours, but you're surrounded by people who help guide you through that and you've been luck, lucky in the industry. Um, when it comes to future though, um, in Brazil we don't have 401ks, we don't have IRAs or things like that, we don't have unions to protect actors. What, what's, your, what's your take on that? What, what do you think it's, it's a smart investment for a person in their future as far as finance comes? Since we don't have all those those tools that that do exist for an American uh, professional, for instance, I don't know how to answer to your question because uh, I think this uh, if you're clever and you are protected by someone else who is in the, who is very sharp with this eye on the thing, good. But you're if you're not. And I, I don't think I am. I don't, I don't have that. I should have some advisors. I have people that work with me and guide me in these things. And, but I think in, in generally, we are a kind, I think we are a country, a bit like a drift away, you know, a country, as a country. We don't, we don't, we don't have many back, uh, back, back support for many things. Uh, it's not only theater, but in theater, we don't have anything. We have very, uh, uh, very feeble, feeble, can I say that? Uh, uh, feeble uh, support from uh, union or from uh, associations and things. And sometimes you see quickly, uh, last year, someone It, it's a bit like that song by Sondheim. Uh, I'm still here. Last year, that woman was... Uh, she was doing first row on a show. And today, she's in what we... She's in Casa dos Artistas. A lot of them... Uh, you know what's Casa dos Artistas, no? Uh, Retiro dos Artistas. Retiro, you know what it is. Retiro dos Artistas yeah. is something that works uh, fantastically. Uh, thanks to 
to ourselves. Uh, Retiro means it's a home where uh, it's close to Global TV and it's supported by ourselves, by our companies and by many people that when somebody doesn't have where to live anymore and they go there and so they live with a little bit of comfort and it's a, it's a community and they, they even have theater but sometimes it gets like I have the new that somebody that I know very much well and I worked with last year they're living there because they don't have anywhere to go anymore so going to there it's, it's okay it's, uh, it's honest it's not humiliating but it's not what should happen to some of the biggest stars yeah. in this country You know what, Bibi uh, Ferreira, when she she died, she was she was comfortable in her home, but uh, she was working until 95 because she had to work. And when she stopped working, she got depressed, and she, if she 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 had to work to go on paying her bills. Calbi uh, Peixoto is a is a Brazilian one of the most famous Brazilian singers and he had to sing in a wheelchair until his very last day because he didn't have anything else. This is sad. You know, it is it is sad, it's part of the thing, but we are we don't have we don't have anything. So some people are clever and some people pay attention but at some point We should, uh, we should be more, I mean, it, 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 it can happen to me. I, I, I am, uh, I'm not afraid, but uh, it can happen to me. Why not? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's, it's, it's a very unfortunate, yes, Ethan. That community you were talking about, is that like a retirement community that anybody in Brazil can go to? No, it's only for uh, the artists. It's only for like the, the let's say if, if, If like Bernadette Peters and Patti LuPone at some point just lost their jobs and had nowhere to yeah. eat and nowhere to live, yeah. they would go to this place and that's supported by the Brazilian okay. artistic community. And is it just like Rio or is it, are there multiple places? No, no, it's in Rio. It's in Rio. Uh, and it's supported by, the, by the ourselves, I mean the community. And this is something very, very, very nice that we can do, but it happens to... As his example is good. It's like Patti LuPone. Last year she was on stage, but today she's there. And I saw a lot of people that I know, that I, I, I was fond of, and they were there. So uh, at least they had uh, comfort to die, uh, to live their last years. Uh, but for example, Madame Mohino, uh, she died in uh, Retiro dos Artistas. That's an unbelievable, that kind of woman, one of the most important stars in the story of Brazilian theater. She lived her last years alone in a home, uh, together, surrounded by other people, but that's not what you... But we treat very badly our artists in the country. They don't give anything, the country itself doesn't care about things like we don't uh, it's not like uh, uh, for example who knows uh, 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 our stars from the past they are not uh, honored by the country as a tradition like America does or like uh, uh, this is it is very important that you guys for example uh, 
you guys have anything is that, uh, to be uh, a Gershwin? Gershwin is a name that is revived every single day. It's like a national treasure. We have yeah. this kind of a... We have this in our country, but it's treated like shit, you know? It's like... It's like we, no one cares about uh, what, who is uh, Kaimi. Who's Kaimi for a lot of young people? They don't know because there's nowhere a Kaimi institution. People... There is a Tom Jobim institution, Antonio Carlos Jobim institution, for example, but it's not revived every day like America's, America does with their stars because you guys find uh, it, it is market. It, is, it gives money to put back a show like uh, a Jerry Herman show. So it, it's always coming back because it's, it's worthy, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's profitable, so... You guys take, it's a kind of, Brazil is, it doesn't see culture. Uh, and I, and I discuss that very much in terms of politicians here. And every time I, I have the chance that we don't see the power of uh, money and uh, in the culture. We have so much to sell and we don't sell them. We don't sell samba. We don't sell bossa nova. We don't have any bossa nova Uh, house to so if you come if Ethan comes to Rio tomorrow and he wants to see he, he's going to say oh Claudio can I see a show of Bossa Nova can I hear that I will say oh sorry we don't have because we don't have in Tokyo there are 40 sh uh, theaters that play Bossa Nova in Rio de Janeiro there's no no one so that's Brazil the U.S. is similar in the sense of like you're saying clever artists who think about money or just make sure they have a plan they do okay, but the rest don't always end up with, like, great stories. Uh, but you have some protection, or not, you guys? We have social security. Okay. So I would say that that's, like, our only safety net. That would be okay. the equivalent for us, Claudio, at Previdencia Social, uh. which might apply or not, depending on what you do. I, I don't, I not uh -huh. very, I'm not very familiar anymore with all the rules of why would, would you get that sort of money from the government later on after you're 65 or something. And with us, if you're an artist and you don't make a lot of money, then you don't get a lot of social security later on. And then it also varies in depending on what state or region you live in, you might do better. Like there might be um, subsidized housing that you can have access to if you live in the right state. But if you don't live in the right state, then you're going to have a harder time. In terms of the, all the artists, it's, it's similar. Yeah, it's like when I say Joe Gray doing seven times, seven shows a week, it's because he needs, it's, he's happy there. He makes us happy, but he needs to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Same here. Okay, bye. I think it's fascinating how much of that cross crosses over the oceans, you know what I mean? Because art is art anywhere and everywhere and however we do it is... Is, is based on how, how supportive our culture is or not. And like you said, Brazil is not, doesn't see arts and artists as a very respectful, honorable profession, unfortunately. Kind of. But, but as, as Ethan was saying, maybe it's, uh, it's a kind of thing like, well, it's like, let's think about Van Gogh, for example. So it's a guy who never got a penny from what he did. So it's kind of our... our It's our uh, damnation to be an artist. It's part of our things. And uh, how many? Uh, let's see how Judy Garland died. So how how she lost everything. That's not because 
uh, people. Uh, she, she made choices. Then, then we do that too. But it's part of the deal, right? It comes with the contract. Let's not talk about that. I'm going to be very depressed about tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> I want to ask you now. Like we, we talked about the actual reality of, of what happens to artists in the future if they're not very diligent with their money. But we're all the entire world is living this crazy pandemic of COVID-19. What, what do you foresee for for the the projects you have? You have you have a lot of projects lined up, and and what do you foresee as far as the art scenario in Brazil after COVID 19 Well, I am uh, uh, after being in the in the in the in life so many years. I, I was going to say in the market, but I'm 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 fifty five, so I lived fifty five years, and I've been through a lot of crisis uh, in the theater. Since the very beginning, I, since the, the, the minute I started in the theater, theater was in crisis in Brazil. So it means uh, there was a crisis for, for when uh, the Plano Real, uh, uh, there was a crisis of the Plano Color, and there was, there was I mean, there was, there was, a, there was a, the crisis of everything. So this is a little bit different because uh, It's it's worldwide. It's the first time. It's different for every one and every kind of of activity. It doesn't affect only theater. It affects everyone in everywhere. So I am positive because I think we're going to find a way. What I'm I, I know we will find a way because theater is going to be happening because it happened since Greece, but. And everything is going to be happening. What I think is there's a bit... This is a very personal opinion. Uh, things are now shut down, the, the theaters are closed, and the planning for coming back are being done. But I think there's a lot of hysteria. I think there's a, a, a too much. People that, that are planning to do shows with using masks, this is what is being planned. In my opinion, it's, that's why we're going to do theater. So if you're going to see a show with people using masks, so they don't want to see a show. So it's rather, it's to being planned for a future that doesn't exist. So if, if the future is to use masks to make shows, live shows, so there's no future. I don't, I can't imagine Like uh, I, I know that in, in Broadway they're talking about that they're going to be only monologues and no orchestra or whatever. I, I, I mean, this is rumor, right? This is not real. Uh, It's all speculation. I mean, rumors are rumors. Uh, because we can always talk. We, we can literally only live day by day. You know, as of yesterday, yeah. we said September 13th after, but I spoke with so-and-so and that very person told me that his show is not going to probably open until March 2021. But if something changes, if tomorrow they come up with a vaccine, that very person is going to come back and tell me, you know, well, let's open for July. Who the heck knows? You know, what I, what I do want to ask you, though, is... I, I, you said that people were finding different things, th different ways of trying to do theater and stuff. Do you think it's a good time to encourage people to do things that are non, not live connection, like utilize internet to maybe try to express themselves differently uh, as artists? Do you think it's, it's the right moment for that? Or, or, or like you said before, let's focus in the future whenever the future comes. What, what do you, where do you stand there? What I think is... Uh is the only thing we have that is different from anything is our presence, is being alive. 
theater is is what it is, and it gives us what we have. It's because it's the only experience that someone that you can sell that someone is going to see only once, even if it's four years or five years or twenty years on. If you're there, that thing only happens that time. So that's the, if we lose that, we don't have anything, right? So that's our only thing that makes us what we are. Uh, I mean, I think we are above anything in terms of, of uh, entertainment. Because I don't, I'm very much, I'm not very much about rock concerts or things like that. Because I, I to be in a theater uh, with 2,000 seats, for example, with an orchestra, and the lights go down, and these people are going to work, and anything can happen. So that's an experience that that's the only thing that we have and so we have to 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 have a, a expensive ticket tickets for that and that's why people like Barbara Streisand or whoever they are so much uh expensive to be seen because otherwise people go to stadiums and see people together with the other people turning their lights on and uh, that's not what we have mm-hmm. and see if it becomes not If it becomes like uh, what live things in the uh, internet and things like that, it's not what we have. But if it is the future, I will have to adapt myself because I have to eat next to tomorrow. But I, I, I can't bring it back to being smart about what you do. Your yeah, business, right? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I w- I would hate to have to think about that because. Wow, I'm gonna lose anything. The only thing I have to offer. So, so it was so enlightening to have to have you with us today. It, it's it's absolutely wonderful to have this bridge between Brazil and New York and times where we're living now under this magnifying glass where we're eager to learn things, we're eager to explore new possibilities, we're eager to to hear from someone who's done so well, we're eager to learn from someone who hasn't done anything at all but has great ideas. So I think it all comes in a great time for us to hear you having your insights live with us. It was just absolutely fantastic and phenomenal. So thank you so much for, for, for your time, for your talent, for sharing with us. And if you have any last Less things to say. We would love to hear that before we close this up. Oh, I am flattered with your words. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, uh, for me, it was, uh, as I was saying in Portuguese before, uh, I was not prepared. I mean, I just woke up and came to this conversation. Uh, but it was very rich. Like, uh, like uh, I understood talking to you guys, like, like talking to you, like some... Like we do uh, as friends sometimes, but now officially talking, and to uh, with a perspective that people are are uh, looking for to to some uh, to some information, uh, practical information in theater. It made me think about things, and knowing that we are now. Uh, When this when this thing in Brazil started, like musicals in Brazil started, I used to be sent to Buenos Aires to discuss uh, rights. And now Brazil is the third, uh, as far as I know, the third company, the, the third country in terms of, of musicals in the world. So uh, it means a lot to be to me to be talking to you guys and I, I learn a lot when I talk about that and if, we, if I can contribute I loved it, I'm, I'm very thrilled that, I, that we played a little bit today 
Thank you so much, Ethan, for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure for sure. Thank you, Ethan, for making this happen. And, and we really hope this podcast brings a lot of, of insight for the world and for whoever listens to it, wherever oh, we are. Man. You know what I mean? Hopefully a lot of people. It's, it's just a great bridge. And, and thank you, Claudia, for that. Absolutely. This is amazing. Thank you so much. I loved it. Like when you guys started talking, I was like, these guys are crazy. <laughs> and then when you said the thing about how producers and artists are the same, I was like, that's what's different here. People here aren't as passionate is all I'll say. <laughs> like selling an apartment to put on a show is not going to happen. Or selling it. It's not. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Well, like, yeah. OK, every once in a while, somebody when Ronnie and I met, that's what attracted me to him is he's so passionate. But that's not. uh it's not as common here. You know, you know what? Uh, I know this is not part of the thing, but there's one thing very interesting about uh, maybe later or someday, and, and Ronnie will tell you. Producers in New York, they know what's what's uh, what's the book, what's the music. They know that thing. Here, there are people from a, a market that has nothing to do with culture. You know, somebody that does a show by uh, Jerry Herman, never knew who this person is. It's not like the Schubert's yeah. or whatever. So this is very different. Well, anyway, yeah. it's so different. Yeah. It is, and, and a lot of times in Brazil, like, like you have to submit it, like Claudio said, to investors and to people that, like, it's big enterprises like Banco Bradesco or, or, or TAM, Ministerio da Cultura, the ministry and stuff. And, and by the time you open the show, you already have some sort of money behind it to run for an X amount of time alone. So I can only imagine how hard it is for a show, like you said, Otto de Malandre, that runs for three years. You know what I mean? To keep that momentum going. Oh no, but that that was another time. That's 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 different. This is something very hard to explain to 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 Americans, uh, I mean, to the American market, how things work here, because this sponsoring thing, it means like we don't lose, uh, which means right. in terms we lose, but in terms of things you can do a show, uh, it's very like the producers, you know, the show. You can do a show that it, it won't work because you're gonna gain. Anyway, it happens here. That was our interview with Claudio Botello. My takeaways were, Claudio is passionate. I don't know if that is because he is Brazilian, or an artist, or both. But the ferocity with which he loves theater explains how he has produced so many shows. Follow the art and be conscious of the money. The art may reward financially, but there are many artists who are successful in art, but not in money. Each artist is different, so you have to find the formula that works for you. Artists in Brazil produce their own work versus the USA, where it is common to have a producer taking the reins and pushing things along. Thank you to Claudio for his time, and thank you to Ronnie, who conducted two wonderful interviews. If you speak Portuguese, please listen to episode 13.1 for more with Ronnie and Claudio. They discuss different topics than this episode, so be sure to check it out. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Find more information on our website, artisticfinance.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a rating and review. Artistic Finance is produced in New York City by Nicole and Ethan Steimel. Producing consultant Anne Nygren-Doherty. Graphics and website by Josh Cutler. Music by Chong Liu.